Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ecom Hot Seat. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Vast Media Marketing, a Facebook and Instagram advertising agency based out in Bournemouth in the UK. Um, he's somebody who I've connected with and kind of been interacting with across Facebook and Instagram, as you do in this industry where we all work remotely. Um, so Bradley, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, yeah, it's great to be on here, Sofian. It's uh, great to speak to you on here and get on your podcast. Really exciting for you, mate. Thank you very much, mate. How's things going? How's things over your neck of the woods? Yeah, things are good. Um, I'm based down in Bournemouth, so yeah, things are great. Nice, nice bit of sun here the last few days, finally. Still a little bit cold, as it is here in the UK. But yeah, things have been going great. Um, Things are going good with the agency, um, and yeah, today we're on today, 22nd of April. Yesterday, just some more iOS update news, didn't we? That we that we all got that wasn't too great. So yeah, just dealing with a lot of a lot of stuff from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an email off uh, our rep uh, this morning. Very, very unclear as to what sort of advice they can give, man. They 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 know about as little as probably we do, which is crazy. Um, so I guess it's just an evolving situation, but yeah, you mentioned the weather. I think we'll probably have some snow next week, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, depending Great. on depending on how things feel out there. But yeah, man. Okay, cool. Let's just dive straight into it then. So, do you want to let the listeners know um, kind of what it is that you're working on at the moment? I mentioned your agency. Uh, what sort of clients do you guys serve, and how does the how what, what are you working on? Yeah, so um, what we're working on here at Vast at the moment, uh, we service e-com DTC brands uh, that are spending over 10K per month minimum. And what we do is we specialize in paid ads and we run them across Facebook, Snapchat and TikTok. Um, and we also, what we've just brought out for our agency as well, which really helped us is um, we're offering UGC content creation as an additional service to our clients. And the reason being is we saw that being such a necessity across the brands that we work with when doing multi-channel, especially for you know TikTok and Snap, with it just being vertical only, you know, largely video focus. Um, so yeah, that's what we've been working on, mate. Awesome. I didn't know you guys offered TikTok. We definitely need to dive in a little bit about that because it's uh, TikTok ads, at least in the sort of the communities that we're a part of, are becoming more and more of a thing, um, and people are getting some solid results with them. How much are you guys managing uh, in monthly ad spend at the moment? Um, in monthly ad spend at the minute, I'd say it's about 420K per month. Okay. Yeah, about nice. 420K per month. Like I said, we run multi-channel. Um, we have a small number of clients. Like we're a bit of a small boutique kind of agency. We, we like being small and working really closely with, you know, e-com brands teams, whether that be the head of e-com or the CMO directly. Um, and see ourselves as largely a massive extension to those brands that we work with. So running multi-channel is great. Um, yeah, so about 420K per month at the moment, I think. But um, that changes based on where we're, where we're putting the money and stuff. Nice, nice, yeah. I, I Kind of from a selfish perspective, being another agency owner, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about, um, you know, running multi-channel and how the logistics of that works across your team. But... Um, I want to try and keep this more e-com focused. Maybe we can talk about that another time. So you yeah. mentioned TikTok. Um, kind of, how did you guys uh, get started with TikTok advertising? What was the process like getting you know all of your clients onboarded, and, and how are they performing for you? So it started from we used to just run Facebook, so we were just solely a Facebook ad agency, 
And it started from the beginning of last year when all the kind of craziness, just before the craziness was happening, having some clients that were just sick to death of the volatility on Facebook. We had an account that was as clean as you like, never had any ad rejections, suddenly got hit with a, a ban. Uh, the ad account was down for two to three weeks, you know, couldn't get the reps to, to help out on it, just kept getting pushed to the back of a, probably a very large queue. And um, the amount of revenue they lost out on was just, it was just terrible for them. So immediately they were like, right, what can we do here? Can we diversify our spend? We're just on Facebook and Google. You know, where are the other opportunities? At that point, we reached out and started testing on Snap. We did YouTube ads. Um, and then came TikTok a few months after that, after we've been on Snap with them. And then, yeah, that just slowly snowballed into us saying, you know, to our other clients, look, do you want to diversify any spend here? We, you know, manage it as well. It'd be easy um, to just add on for us because um, we, we are a performance-based agency. So we do percentage of spend as the model, is our usual model. Um, and then so it was easy just to incorporate that and just say, look, we're not going to charge you any other management fees. It's just percentage of spend. We'll just add the spend together, you know, so it's an easy, easy decision for them. Um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. TikTok is definitely one that the seeing the progress progression from last year to where it is now, it's crazy. Like it is crazy, the progression so far. And I think with it being its same session tracking on TikTok, so the results will look worse in the TikTok ad manager compared to like Facebook or Snapchat. Like Snapchat's a bit greedy in terms of attribution. Facebook depends on, you know, whether they got like, you know, like their CAPI set up or, you know, what they've got to track. That can under-report or over-report. Um, but TikTok massively under-reports, in my opinion, and from what we've seen with brands. It's, it's certainly something that's going to be big, especially if your demo's there. Have you been relying on any third-party tracking then to kind of tackle that? Um, underreporting. Yeah, so we've had clients go around from you know the usual um, third-party trackings that are out there like Wicked, Hyros, you know stuff like that. I don't think there's any clean-cut solution. It's more of a case of okay, should we look at it from a blended perspective? And it's easier when you're the agency managing those channels um, because you're not trying to all battle with each other to say, hey, this is my sale, this is Google sale, this is our sale. So it's easier for us and we just look at it more in terms of a blended. We can look at the overall MER and work it out from there. But we've also found more recently um, post-purchase upsells. That's a massive thing that's going to help people, especially through iOS times like that we're going to see over the next you know, couple of months maybe. That's an interesting thing to give you an idea of, okay, where are people coming from or where, where are our customers saying that they're coming from? And therefore, should we be putting more spend into that channel or this channel? Or yeah, definitely. That's that's. I didn't know um, uh, that you guys implemented that sort of stuff to to actually get kind of post sale tracking and reporting mm -hmm. directly from the customers themselves. That's major in terms of you know tackling that sort of issue because you know we have it all the time where we're working with a client who's got uh, Facebook and Google and they're spending you know multi five figures, close to six figures on each platform. Um, and then <clears throat> you add the Google and Facebook numbers together and it's often more times more than the actual stores actually made, <laughs> which yeah, is always exactly. annoying. And I don't know whether this is, the, this is the Facebook media bar in me, but Google's default attribution is 28 day, you know, click one day view. So, I mean, even when we're exporting that to the MER, you can't change the attribution there. So if anything, I think Google overclaims more than actual paid social, but I think, you know, for the, for the smart e-commerce owners out there that know 
how scalable you know Facebook can be as well for their brands. They're always going to be spending there, but definitely TikTok is going to be a massive opportunity. Snapchat's hit or miss, to be honest. Um, and the attribution on Snapchat is is way too greedy. So we only look at um, seven day click max on Snapchat. We don't look at any view. Um, we did in the beginning, and you can see some really amazing looking brass numbers, but they're just not true. So. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. By the way, I forgot to mention at the top of the show that I started the timer. The timer is running. Um, normally, I, I say at the top of the show we're starting a twenty-minute timer. I forgot to mention it, but the timer is running. Um, okay. Cool. So, with TikTok, then, what sort of demo have you found success with on TikTok? So we've seen a few different demos work quite well. I mean, the the obvious classic example to go for is you know young female audience, you know, from twenty to thirty to thirty-five. But you'd be surprised, like the amount of males that are on there as well. Like I feel it's the same as Snapchat. People really disregard platforms because they're not on it or because they don't think that many people are on it. But for TikTok, it's like, oh, you know, and I gave this example to a new client recently was that, you know, I've got friends who are single guys who don't have girlfriends and they're on TikTok. So some people think, oh, if a guy's on TikTok, oh, it's because his girlfriend's got TikTok and she's, you know, got him to get it or, you know, vice versa. But it's not actually the case. Like there are way more people on there. So we've seen success with both genders. Um, and I think if you, if certainly if you have like a younger demographic, me meaning like 18 to 30 or 18 to 35, they're on there, mate. You, I mean, you from the UK as well, like know how big TikTok's got over the last year. It's like way, like their, their trajectory in terms of how big the platforms become is just insane. The growth has been crazy. And as far as kind of creatives and the strategy on either Snap or TikTok both being vertical, have you found any similarities or differences in types of creatives that you can use across all three channels? Yeah, I think it, it blends all together really well. I mean, Facebook, because obviously there's more context in terms of, you know, what else works in terms of single images and stuff like that. I mean, Snap and TikTok, like I said, it's, it's vertical and it's, and it's video based largely. Um, UGC is huge, as we all know, um, such a massive lever to pull for any brand. And if they're not, you know, utilizing it, because there's so many facets to it. It's not just a boring, here's a review or a fake paid, you know, influencer generated content or stuff like that. There's so many different things you can do. But one thing that works amazingly well across all three now is UGC content that is more like TikTok slash Instagram real style. So it's short, sharp. It's jumping on trends. It's you know doing those kind of things like don't buy that, buy this. Like that's a that's a TikTok kind of trend. We see things like that working so well, and we transfer that onto Facebook as well, and you know it works amazingly there. But it's all about creative testing. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, cool. So, on the topic of kind of what's working then. Um, what are a couple of things that you see uh, for your clients that are just doing amazingly well at this moment? So, I mean, a couple of things that we see that are crushing it for clients at the moment. Um, obviously, looking at you know how Facebook's been performing recently with iOS and stuff, we've seen more moving away from like CBO, more using like ABO and stuff. But one thing in particular is utilizing custom lists to build lookalike audiences and high-level custom lists. lists. So, like high average order value. So say like your average order value is, you know, 30 pound, 
Um, but you've, you know, you've got people that do spend upwards of 60 pounds, 70 pounds on your store. If you've got a good size list for that, scrape that from your Clavio, wherever you've got it, use that. If you've got people that are, you know, like a loyalty audience, so they've purchased from you like two or more times, or they've been a certain, you know, they've been with your subscription for a long time, then use that. Um, and then also other things like 30 day email openers. So if they've opened an email from you within the last 30 days, use that list, put that into Facebook, you know, use that data. Um, that's been really, you know, things in terms of audiences that have worked well. Um, also a little one on page or post savers. That's been a good one that we've used very recently. Look like based off of that. And I think that that's worked well because it's not relying on the Facebook pixel, which has had troubles with tracking and will continue to have troubles with tracking because it's on Facebook or those customer lists of, you know, your information. Um, Second thing we touched on a little bit earlier was using an MER sheet. You know, you'd be amazed the amount of brands out there that are spending, you know, upwards of like 50, 60K um, on Facebook, as well as probably like, you know, 40K. So they're spending like over 150K on all marketing channels and they're not utilizing an MER sheet. So MER is literally just management expense ratio or people like to call it marketing expense ratio. And all it is is just pulling through what our total spend is compared to what is the total sales in Shopify or Wucom, whatever you use. And then what's the ratio of that? You know, what's the return each day? And we're going to have to rely on that more and more going forward. Um, and especially when you're running multi-channel, like, I mean, attribution issues are just so common that they're almost, they're almost not working and they're not worth diving down the rabbit hole to try and fix. It's a multi-billion pound industry that no one has the answer to still. Um, so, you know, relying on some of these tools out there to fix what's coming and stuff isn't, isn't going to be the case. None of them are the saving grace, unfortunately. So using an MER sheet, using like post-purchase upsells, like, I mean, post-purchase, um, surveys, sorry, that could be great. That's, that's something it's like old school kind of methods that are coming back into the, into the frame. But yeah. And then the third thing, um, testing a lot of creatives. A lot testing a lot of creatives the amount of brands that we come on and work with or you know they're spending a, a real good amount of money and they're just not they're just not doing any creative testing there's no structure for it they're just not doing it and it's just it's what's really holding them back because when they're finding things aren't working or things aren't going well they haven't got a solid four or five ads that they know perform well to put into a new campaign or to duplicate into something they want to test but they don't have that and that's so important. I mean, especially, like I said, those kind of UGC kind of elements that so many brands out there that don't want to, you know, use them maybe for, you know, brand image or, you know, for any other reasons. Um, just testing everything and anything. Lots of different creatives, lots of different angles. I mean, it depends on what your product is, right? But it kind of, it kind of depends. I think there's a lot of angles to be had out of creatives with the testing. People don't do enough of it. What sort of volume do you guys aim for kind of on a weekly basis of, of testing new creatives? It kind of depends on the account, um, how much they're spending and what we're seeing volatility wise. Cause I've seen some accounts that, yeah, we've had some creatives running on there that have been running on there for six months. They still haven't burnt out. You know, I don't believe that there is such a thing really as the burnout isn't that bad, but other accounts where, you know, you need fresher creatives each week. So, Ideally, we want to be getting like two to three new ads in there a week to test. As long as we've got a solid base, that is as well. We'll do way more if we need more.
but I'm talking about usually if we've got a solid base, which I like to have, four, you know, four or five ads that are strong performers. And then all we're doing is A-B testing against those strong performers. All we're, try- all we're trying to do constantly is just beat those ads, even if, they're, even if they're not underperforming, you know? So even when things are going well, you should always be doing creative testing all the time. Yeah, and exactly. Exactly. Like, and, and if things don't work and they don't beat the ads, that's great. That's, that's good still. Like, that's still great because then at least you're trying and at least you're getting good results with your current ads. So it's the only way forward, I think, for brands. Definitely. I think it's future-proofing your ad account as well. I think too many uh, brand owners and and founders get too attached to a specific type of creative format if they see it working. And yes, you know, there is the element of let's scale that, let's double down and create more of the same. But also, you know, there's other formats out there that we haven't perhaps discovered um, that could probably give us, you know, two to three times uh, better performance. Um, And, you know, because we're... One of the biggest issues with running Facebook ads uh, for clients is, you know, being unemotional about it. As an agency, you're going to be unemotional because, you know, you don't necessarily have that degree of attachment to it. But for brand owners, it's completely different with, it's kind of their passion project, it's their baby. And so, you know, they they do tend to be um, a little bit more kind of, you know, want to know why this creative is being used and why that one and why this copy and why you know, they want to take one line out of the ad copy and all of a sudden the ad copy is completely different and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the, the creative, sorry, especially the creative teams, the, the creative teams that we work with, if they're in-house at the business, they, they can be very much like, you know, because they spend time getting this real polished video together. Or it's really high-end production. And then if it flops, it, it flops and the data says so. And, and that can really cut them quite deep sometimes. But it's, you know, it's, it's part of the game. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned lookalikes are performing really well and kind of high value lookalikes based off of really strong seed audiences. So something we've noticed within our campaigns, and obviously it differs client to client, is um, lookalikes haven't performed as well for us recently. So I'm kind of interested to know, um, you know, what sort of percentage basis do you guys look to build these lookalike audiences out of? Are you looking more broad? Are you looking more specific? Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen that as well. We've had to rely on some you know broad interests more so over the last you know couple months than we would perhaps like to um and it's not that i don't have anything against interest because i do think that they serve a place and they can work well but it's um and using random interests as well that's been one thing that like you know really thinking outside of the box and targeting something that you think okay my competitors definitely aren't targeting this interest so like one we did for um a brand in the pet niche uh, was skydiving had no like you know to us it was like almost it had no relevance to why it would work it worked amazingly well so there are little caveats to that when i say it's not i wouldn't just go full look like ever or just full broad i mean you've got to test it it depends on the account i mean if it works just on you know if you can get an account working just on a broad ad set uh, a lookalike stack and then maybe an interest stack, and they're the only three ad sets that, you, that you've got that work really well, that's great. And if you can get it on working on like dynamic creative as well, even better, that's, that's great. But it just doesn't happen, you know? It just doesn't work like that across every account. So yeah, I mean, look like percentage-wise, usually testing like a 1% start, um, but at the same time, depending on what it is and how much stuff we have up to test as well, we'll go broad on it as well, so we'll go 5% as well. Um, and then 10%, you know, if we're seeing some good 
results from there. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll usually test those three, um, but usually the last one, 10%, if we know it's going to work and then we can go broaden it. But then again, it depends on how much you're spending. Um, if, you, if you're using a 1% audience, you're going you're gonna to cycle through that audience quicker than you are, obviously, if it's five and then 10. So it depends on the account and how much they're spending. Um, but what then what you can do with, like I said, is stack, stack the 1% together, especially if they're high value based on purchase or we love, we love doing that. Time's up. There goes the timer. Oh man, there was so much more to go into. I wanted to oh, uh, mate, yeah. 100%. touch on a couple other, I know you mentioned the, the skydiving audience. We've seen something like that uh, pretty recently with some of our brands as well. Like one of the audiences that seems to work pretty much on every account that we work on is family, the interest family. For some reason, irrespective of the product, you can find purchases in there. And then we had another product. We were selling sunglasses for a brand. And we, we just threw out a bunch of random interests, again, similar to what you did. Uh, one of them mm -hmm. was Premier League. And then the other one was beer. And both of them converted really, really well, which is just, you know, they get, they get you low CPMs, which is amazing. And then they also, because your competitors aren't bidding on them, you get much better reach and, and much better quality of traffic. But there goes the time. Perhaps we will have to do a part two to kind of dive into more of the, the, the nitty gritty and maybe more of a selfish episode for myself on the, on the agency topic as opposed to kind of more of the client topic. But I really, really yeah. appreciate you coming on, man. You shared some really insightful stuff in there. That's definitely, you know, people can action as far as the lookalike audiences, as far as kind of the creative strategy, some of the testing frameworks that you outlined. Um, you know, so it's so a really... Thank you so much for that. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. It's great. Definitely, I selfishly, I, I want a little bit of time with you as well, and we can dive into some more agency owner kind of stuff as well. Um, I'm sure there's loads to unpack and talk about there also. Absolutely. All right, guys. So, yeah, if you enjoyed that episode, if you got something from it, please leave a like. Please leave a review, whatever platform you're listening to this on. I believe it will be on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Just trying to get approved on all of those. Um, so yeah, leave a review, subscribe, follow the show. Um, we've got, you know, some more amazing guests lined up for this season. Um, some seven figure email marketers, um, hundred million dollar Facebook marketer, um, some really, really cool brand owners that have built, you know, multiple brands and have got some really interesting perspectives to share. So yeah, go ahead and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one.